It's Gaudete Sunday, better known as the day they light the pink candle. <laughs> Why the pink? It's supposed to be a sign of joy. This is the day when we hear so many messages about rejoicing in our readings, especially this year in the second reading, which is from Philippians, one of my absolute favorite passages of the Bible. And after two weeks of the church saying to everybody, it's Advent, wait, this is the day when the church says, okay, you can get excited now. <laughs> but that's pretty hard. After the tragedy that happened on Friday, the shooting at the school in Connecticut, I, for one, am struggling to hear these messages about rejoicing. And no matter where you are, I invite you as we hear these passages to say to yourself, this is wisdom. This is what we believe is the inspired word of God. And what message can I take from this, even though I might not be in the brightest moment? As we prepare for this Mass, I thought perhaps this portion of a prayer that was offered back in 1996 at a memorial service for the victims of TWA flight number 800 would be appropriate. This, these, this prayer is actually by Father Michael Judge, who became very famous posthumously. He was the, considered the first person to die in the 9-11 attacks. He says, Our world is empty without our loved ones. Our hearts are broken, our sadness immense, our tears so abundant. We live our sorrow together. We need you, Lord. Please come and touch us. Fill us with courage. Calm our discomfort. Give us signs of your presence. We ask you, we beg you, come. There are lots of people who say that everything happens for a reason. I am not one of those people. I think God has a role in many things that happen in the world. But the presence of sin means that there are things that happen that are contrary to the will of God. I am confident that God did not want the Friday Massacre in Connecticut to happen. However, I am also confident that God was present with all the children and teachers as the shooting occurred. That God was the first to grieve this senseless loss of life. I am confident that God is inspiring the first responders and countless others ministering to the victims' families. I am confident that God is speaking to us through the tears of our family members, neighbors, and even strangers. Many of us have been experiencing gut-wrenching emotions. God is there. But Zephaniah and St. Paul have really strong words for us. St. Paul commands, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. The Lord is near. Rejoice always. Even this weekend? Is that possible? Well, in this dark moment, can we at least continue to hope? Hope lays the groundwork for joy.
There are certain people each of us know who seem to be dealt more than their fair share of adversity, and yet they seem to be able to hang on to hope, even smile, and to make jokes. One of those people is my buddy Bill. Bill is a diocesan priest in the Northeast who came to live with the Paulists in Washington, D.C. as he studied for an advanced degree. He's had a lot of adversity in his life. He had to leave Washington before he finished his degree because his health problems got to be unbearable. He's also trying to care for his ailing mother who's been in and out of nursing homes. He's had a tough time with administrators throughout his several decades of priesthood. And yet, I received a great surprise on Wednesday morning when Bill called me to chat. We had a lot of laughs, even as he told me of the adversities he's struggling with. He'll always have problems with back pain, but he's been able to find some treatments that have made things more bearable. One of the great things he's been able to do since returning home is to prominently serve as a police chaplain. How has Bill been able to maintain such a joyous attitude? Well, I think he's taken the words of Zephaniah to heart. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. And isn't that what faith is all about? It's about trusting, believing, hoping for the goodness of God to reveal itself, even in the moments where the facts in front of us seem to indicate that God is not present, that God is not good. Well, Bill has had quite the experience since we spoke on Wednesday. He doesn't live that far away from Newtown, Connecticut, and so he's among the chaplains ministering to the families of the victims of the shooting. He's been interviewed on CNN, and I presume he hasn't slept much since Friday. But even in, amid the grief, he's finding God. This morning he wrote, Never have I witnessed such incredible empathy and compassion. I am so humbled to be here. No, not everything happens for a reason. But if we are people of faith, we can find meaning in the most terrible things that happen to us. I don't think God willed for Bill to have such adversity in his life, but I think that Bill's faith in God, through thick and thin, has given him the skills to serve as an excellent chaplain in this dark moment. How do we confront this senseless violence as we await Christ's second coming and the reconciliation of the world? We need to look no further than our gospel passage today. John the Baptist was uniquely aware that the Lord was near. Perhaps the Lord was standing within the crowds hearing him preach. People asked John what they should do to prepare for the Lord. He was able to give simple, practical advice to people of all walks of life, including even tax collectors and soldiers. Advent calls us to the humility that we can't completely reconcile the world ourselves. But Advent also calls us to live in hope, even in the face of hopelessness. I'd like to close by quoting a musical of which you may have never heard, called Children of Eden by John Caird and Stephen Schwartz. You probably know Godspell or Pippin or Wicked, which are also written by Stephen Schwartz. This musical was written in the early 1990s, but it never made it to Broadway. 
perhaps because it spoke of hope in a way that people were unwilling to listen to during the first Gulf War. Nevertheless, this musical has thrived, becoming a staple of community theaters and high schools around the country. It tells the stories of the first nine chapters of the book of Genesis. The musical ends as the waters of the great flood recede, with Noah's family about to step off the ark. As the rainbow of God's covenant fills the sky, the family, re the family realizes that they shoulder the responsibility to recognize God's presence in the world. And it is we now who are called to that same responsibility to recognize God's presence in the world. This step is once again our first. We set our feet upon a virgin land. We hold the promise of the earth in our hands. No flood from heaven comes again. No deluge will destroy and purify. We hold the fate of man and men in our hands. Now at this dawn so green and glad, we pray that we may long remember how lovely was the world we had in the beginning. Of all the gifts we have received, one is most precious and most terrible. The will of each of us is free. It's in our hands. And if we hear a voice, if he speaks again, our silent father, all he will tell us is the choice is in our hands. Our hands can choose to drop the knife. Our hearts can choose to stop the hating. For every moment of our life is the beginning. There is no journey gone so far. So far we cannot stop and change direction. No doom is written in the stars. It's in our hands. We cannot know what will occur. Just make the journey worth the taking and pray we're wiser than we were in the beginning. It's the beginning. Now we begin. <laughs>